Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity. This is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome to the pastor's table. I'm Mark Quanstrom, and today we have the second part of a four-part conversation with Mindy Caliguire. Mindy is the founder and CEO of Soul Care, which is an organization that provides coaching, spiritual direction, and collectives to help leaders care well for their souls. And in today's episode, Mindy is going to be talking about some practices that help nurture our souls. And one of those that she will be talking about today is one that I'm going to be beginning because of this conversation, uh, which is journaling. I've never been much of a journaler, no, more honestly, I've never journaled. But in talking with Mindy, I have learned the benefit and value of it. And so she sent me a 21-day jumpstart into journaling that I'm going to be begin using in the next week or so. But you can download this 21-day jumpstart into journaling on their website at soulcare.com backslash resources. Again, that's soulcare.com backslash resources. And uh, this resource will also be available in the, in the show notes. By virtue of our calling to lead people, it's an imperative that we tend to our own souls. And so, Mindy, we are so grateful to have you join our conversation again. We hope our listeners will enjoy the episode and, more importantly, benefit from it. We start caring about the right kinds of things and... I will say the the financial pressures that have been introduced by our current models of ministry, they have become, I think, the biggest driver of why we try to get people to come back and why it becomes the high production value and why we try to entertain or coerce or whatever terrible words we might use to describe mm -hmm. how desperate it starts to get when we have that level of financial pressure. I was talking to a, 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 a church leader from England. We were talking about church in the U.S. I mentioned a, a, a church uh, of not considerable size that carried a $4 million debt on their facility, right? And her response immediately was, how could the pastor ever preach a prophetic word having to serve that debt? Yes. Mm. So in, in her mind, as a, a woman pa a pastor, in her mind, um, calling people to Christ-likeness took priority over calling many people to serve a church, if that makes sense. I mean, that's just a, it, one way it, to say it. Is, it. it is just the economic realities of it. Correct. And yeah. I think... You know, this was something I remember Dallas speaking about, uh, that he felt that the financial pressures of the current model made it almost impossible for leaders to stay the course in their mm. faithfulness to that prophetic message. Wow. And it, it's, you know, in the, the debt, the I mean, it's it is it was overwhelming and it is hard to live in those unforced rhythms of grace. When. You could right. lose everything if all the money doesn't come in. And it occurs to me that 
Hard is doable if it's really worthwhile. We all do hard. We We're all do hard, hard, right? Yeah. And so, so, so I think some, I think what may be happening again, thinking out loud, is that pastors are realizing what I'm doing is not worth giving my life for. Hmm. Not what they signed up for, Mark. It's not what we signed up for. So, personal story. Can I tell a personal story? Yeah, this is like this is like a week old. So there's not a pastor who's not under pressure to uh, meet the cultural metrics that vindicate their ministry. Okay, there's not a pastor. I mean, I know how many people are coming to church every Sunday. I know how much money we raise every week. Yeah. Right. I yep. know who's coming to church. I know how many visitors we've had. I know how many people are leaving the church. I know how many people have left my church in the last month because they didn't like the mission or I didn't tend to them or whatever, right? And it's all incredibly painful, especially when they leave. It's great when they come, but it's painful when they leave, right? So there's not a pastor who's not under that kind of pressure. Yep, yep, and I feel it's, it every week. Every, yeah, every and, week. and the more visible your church, the more pressure is going to feel, right? Yeah, you're and, not the only one. Everybody knows how many people are coming or going. Correct. Yep. Just, it's, yep. And, yep. and oh, pastor, you're such a great preacher, right? People say that to every pastor. Um, what? And, well, I they just said it to me. Yes, I know. Every, they say it to every, pa every pastor. You're such <laughs> a, what's, they did a survey of pastors, what's your greatest strength? And it was preaching, right? Yeah, because that's, <laughs> that's what they all said. I mean, 80% preaching. And I'm thinking, well, I've been to a lot of churches. I don't think that's true. But anyway, um, anyway, so so the, oh, that was the best sermon you've ever preached, right? Which I hate that comment. Oh, because that means oh, oh next week it's going to be a that's, that's that I I got to lower the bar because I can't do the best sermon I've ever yeah. preached every Sunday, right? It's constant. So anyway, but but every pastor lives with that pressure. So and I've been living with it. So we, I've been living with it. I mean, it's just been killing me. Mm. So um, I'm uh, a young man from my church called me and said, Pastor, can we chat? And this is a young man whose uh, father passed away 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. He's in his mid-20s, early 20s. And uh, Deb and I have invested in this family because they lost their father. And this young man called me and um, he and I said, yeah, yeah, no, let's let's meet. It was right after church on 1.30 on Sunday afternoon. We sat in the backyard and he said, what I want to talk to you about is this new job I'm taking. I took a new job and it's really cool. But what I really want to talk to you about is because I think this new job is a means for me to become missionary. And it's the first time he'd ever spoken those words. Right. And he says, I think that I'm supposed to be a missionary. Oh. Said this 20 something man who, um, that's not his major. All right. So I'm listening to this and it's kind of news to me, but it's not really surprising because he, he was a very, he's a very serious Christian. <laughs> and the Lord said to me, See, that's all he said. Lord said, see. Mm. And I realized in that moment, okay, what do you want? You want the superficial acclaim of a bunch of people who don't know you? Mm. Or do you want a young man to talk to you about their calls to the mission field? Oh, gosh. On a Sunday afternoon. Mm. And, it, and I said, okay, I'm going to keep doing the work I'm doing. Wow. That's Even if nobody else recognizes it. Oh. And I, and that that moment crystallized for me the essence of pastoral ministry. Mm -hmm. And I realized now there have been a whole lot of folk investing in this young man's life. But one of those folk were Deb and me. That's beautiful. And I realized in that second that if I hadn't 
taken this young man sailing and gone out to lunch with him and asked him about his love life that from his pastor, mm -hmm. that maybe he would not have come to me and said, I think the Lord's calling me to the mission field. Yeah. So, so I'm willing to do that hard. I'll do that hard all day long. Because that doesn't feel that hard in the end. It's not that hard. No. no. No, that's so so incredibly rewarding. And I think the I think the hard part for pastors today is the narrative or the pressure that they're still trapped in, and that that's slow and that's not a metric. Oh, yeah, like that was ten years a, in the making. Yeah, that's yeah. too slow. We want fast. Yeah, but I think you know how do we get from here to there, right? Like how do we get from this high intensity, unwinnable metric type world to whether you teach on a Sunday morning or not, and whether or not 85 mm -hmm. of the people come up and tell you that was the best right. ever. That's certainly ever heard. Yeah. Like, right. And it's like, whether, whether or not those things, how do, because I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm not saying it's right. wrong for you to, bring the word to a local community at, with excellence on a regular basis. Like that's, that's not, no, that's our job. That's right. what we have to do. That's, and it's our current model, but it's still an important part of any model is right. how are we teaching and bringing the message? Right. So yeah. it's not wrong, but the, the, and this is the, where the spiritual practices, the imagination of a well-tended soul is like, how do you carry yourself in any and all of those circumstances without needing to hear from those 85 people telling you that it was the best ever, without needing, without mm. having to sit in your study to open the word, it's not, how do I beat it this time? It's, mm -hmm. Jesus, what do you want to say to our people and to me wow. now? Yeah, and right. That's the staying connected piece, yep. that those practices help us stay yep. grounded. And in my hope, hope is that Jesus is going to say some things as both of you are sitting down to prepare next week's message or the next time you're speaking. And he's going to say some things that start to shift the focus. Yeah. Gradually yeah. over time, how are we inviting people into this way of life? Mm -hmm. How is this, how, how is this who we're becoming together? How is this my, you know, when I'm speaking, this is my personal journey. This is where mm -hmm. bringing you know, fresh thinking to me that makes me more willingly let go of a former way of thinking about a thing. I, I'm yeah. being kind of vague here, but like these, that's my hope is that as leaders can disentangle, unvelcro themselves from those pressures, stay anchored to the person of Jesus in yes. the midst of their service, yes, in their place, actually loving people, like actually caring about even the people who voted differently than them. Like that would be a big lift mm -hmm. for a lot of Christians right now to truly love. Is that too strong a statement? Sorry. No, I, no, it's it's absurd that we have to say it. It it, it this is this is people voting pastor. differently. Right, right, right. We're not talking about. Loving someone who has harmed your family, <laughs> crucified you on a cross. We're talking about people who voted differently. That's a big lift, really. That's well, where we are in the state of in the state of Christianity today. Go talk to Scott McKnight about all that stuff. I, I know. I talk about soul care. <laughs> well, so so yeah. let, let's do that. So, what 
Okay, so let's get to let's. So, what would be the practices? Those are two, two, two questions. Yeah. What are the practices that the pastor, the leader, yeah. has to embrace? Yeah. To keep connected to Jesus. That's one question. Okay. And the second question is, what are the practices we call our people to? Maybe the same answer to both of those questions. It could be. But yeah. how do we provide a church, which is the people, right? The called out ones. Yeah. How do we call them to be spiritually formed by the, our Lord? Yeah. So I don't know which one you want to answer first. Maybe the, may, I, you, you. I'll start with the pastors. I'll start, right, with, start with pastors. Because I think pastors who are caring well for their souls then have the ability to hear from God, not me or you. Okay. What does God want to invite their people to? What's unique yeah. to this context? What's, what are some of the things that would be specific in our community? What resources do we have at hand that we would invite people in? I have some broad ideas, but the the most important thing is for leaders to be able to hear what's God saying to them. Like that is, mm -hmm. that is everything. Mm -hmm. Instead of what is the next book out? Like, sure, we, le we learn from books and conferences and podcasts right. and all those things, but like none of that matters as much as them hearing directly from God. Yeah. So, okay. So how do we do that? I love, I love saying that the, um, cause several times people have said like, okay, maybe you've convinced me I should care for my soul. Like what's the one thing? And I'm like, oh my gosh, why does, why do we ask these questions? <laughs> There's a whole funny backstory to that. I'll tell it another time if you really want to hear. What came to my mind um, when the second person asked me that was um, beyond my interior eye roll of like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Um, the Lord said to me, get off your high horse right now. Mm. This is oh, a wow. sincere question mm. that is being asked. And I've given you favor in this leader's eyes and whatever you say right now, he's going to listen to. Hmm. And I, 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 I stopped my interior eye roll, but then I started complaining to God because I was like, I don't have a one thing. Like, what's the one thing, you know, like th this is so mm. personal, so complex, so nuanced. So, you know, what is somebody's brokenness and their history and their gifting and calling and like all of that melds into some sort of matrix and and i i i literally heard god say just tell him he needs a page a person and a plan so i start saying that and at the same time i'm going like you do alliteration are you kidding me I, like I <laughs> <laughs> that necessarily compromises the message if you have to alliterate right no that's I... how you know it's the holy spirit if it's alliterate <laughs> i just i was like a little a little annoyed on that and then, i mean i have intentionally broken what would have been natural alliteration just to not yeah, I'm not using one of those words. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have done that before. And, um, but not when God said uh, to do it. And what I found is that that's a sneaky way to get three things into a one thing. Okay, I'm, I'm very interested in page, person, and place. Place, plan. 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 Place becomes the, my team is now contending that we add a fourth P. Oh, so it's a fourth alliterated word. I wouldn't disagree. But let's start with a page, person, and a plan. And this is what Soul Care is an organization. We're starting to align a lot of resources and support services and everything else like that around these three things, because I think there's a lot of legs here. So, of course, yeah. the Holy Spirit, you know, he's a little smarter than me. Page is the invitation to reflection. Okay. A, journal, okay. a yep. place where you're slowing yourself down at your mind to the yep. pace that you can write. 
you're entering into some thoughtful questions about what's really going on inside. Yep. And valuing what is really going on inside. You know, the the root word for a journal is jour, right? For day, la soup de jour, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the day is. And and the mm-hmm. idea of a journey was the distance you could cover in one in day. day. The journal was the place where you would record what had happened over the course of a day. And mm. I, you know, a lot of times journaling can be a little like some people love it. Some people love to hate it. And I'm not going to say like you're closer to God only if you write in a journal. But here's what I will say. We have to take it out of the like, this is what 13 year old girls keep a diary. They have a crush on and pay attention to who else keeps journals. Who else? Right. Dad was the editor for the magazine, well, um, a scientific journal on, um, gosh, what was it? Experimental hematology. We have the new England journal of medicine. We have, we, we start to refer to journal or the, the journals of Lewis and Clark, which a little bit Mm -hmm. out given some of what else was going on there. But the fact is explorers, people on whaling expeditions, all these kinds of things, they were the kinds of people who kept journals. Hmm. Because they were trying to learn from what they were experiencing day by day. And I feel like that's one of the strongest, most compelling things for us as Jesus's people, as leaders to say, what am I learning day by day? Mm -hmm. What is the Lord doing? What is happening around me? What is going on inside me and why? And the uncharted territory that we are moving into is the future. We are all moving into uncharted territory every single day. Mm-hmm. And to adopt the posture of someone who is curious, even about our own life, about our own interior world, it's vital that we learn the rigors, and this could be hard, mm-hmm. of reflection, of reflecting on ourselves, on what's going on around us, of noticing, observing. Being a gentle and kind observer, not like on an interior witch hunt of all the things I did wrong. Yep. Just just bringing to the Lord what's true of me today. I think that's vital. And I will okay. say one last thing, and then I want to hear what you have to say. Um, Janet Hagberg, who wrote Critical Journey, has was a sort of a foundational book for a lot of spiritual formation work, had a prior work that had a similar framework that's called Real Power. And in her understanding of how personal power shows up in the context of organizations or, yeah, it, this is one of the most profound books I've ever read. I mean, obviously, other than the Bible. I love it. And she outlines these stages of influence, of power, of wielding power. And the first three are how we sort of acquire power. Mm-hmm. But the greatest stages of influence are our ability to give it away. Mm-hmm. And yes. The first of those giving away of power, more influential ways we show up in the world is what she calls power by reflection. Mm. And she makes a very compelling case for it. But I, I, I've i just come to believe in my own spirit and, and talking to leaders. It's like your leadership influence is actually capped by your capacity for reflection. That's a great wow. sentence. Oh, Okay, so yeah, oh, that's a great sentence. Would you say it again? Can you say it exactly yeah, the wow. same? Your, your leadership. Write that down. Yeah. Your capacity to influence 
for all the good reasons that we care about, right. um, is actually capped at your capacity for self-reflection. Right. And this is a, I mean, we cannot, we can we have to know ourselves and reflection is a way of coming to know ourselves. Correct. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. Confession is a form of self-reflection. It would be for sure. Yeah. And the, and the church has always called us to confession, but that means we have to know ourselves, which, and we can't come to a knowledge of ourselves by simply reading what others, other people are, are saying about us. We have to be still before the Lord Yes. In order to come to know ourselves. Yes. And that so, one of the reasons we are reluctant to be alone and quiet before the Lord is because we're afraid of what he's going to reveal about us. Or what we'll see inside. Yes. Or, uh, Which is uh, really no, a shame. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and I think it's a profound, like, almost, it's teeters on the edge of almost some, like, self-hatred. Correct. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't matter enough. What matters is everybody else. Right. I don't matter enough to sit and quietly think what is banging around in my head and what right. does that mean? And many of us, like this emotional energy it takes to just keep the grief that we might need to contend with or yeah. right. or yeah. processing of dreams that we have died and we had to keep going. Like we just need spaces like the Psalm. I mean, the Psalms are the perfect example of a journey, Correct. right? I mean, the full range of human emotion yeah. and experience, right? It, full alarming levels of authenticity uh, at times. And I think we learn from that, that God welcomes, invites the full expression of who we really are. Mm -hmm. so, so we're taught to listen, actively listen to others as pastors, as counselors, yes. right? To try, but we don't give ourselves permission to listen to ourselves. Nope. It seems like a profound yeah. waste of time. It yeah. doesn't accomplish anything. And I I think that's a big deception. Yeah, we should have learned from Augustine in the fourth century, whose most powerful book was titled Confessions, yes. which was a an ex, it's just an exploration of his own internal Correct. Uh, journey. The other thing that I thought of as you were talking was uh, uh, assenting to journal implies an understanding of salvation that is process and not completed. Mm. Yes. There you go. It so has it, to, yeah. Do is there a journey that I'm on that matters? Correct. Yep. In the Catholic Church, they'd call it I mean, that's why you would go on a pilgrimage to remind yourself that this salvation is not transactional. Right. It is a pilgrimage. Some things so so journaling is an explicit way of recognizing that the Lord is still working mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. Yes. In surprising ways. Mm -hmm. And to keep that curiosity alive. Yeah. So that's page. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're loving the, uh, the, <laughs> the three well, uh, you know, when you alliterate, you can't forget. Right. I'm right. I'm like, that was, <laughs> Smartest person in the universe, right? Like I think my head against the wall trying to come up with content, but he, he, you know, it's better to have it revealed. Okay, so the page is for, is first. The second one is person. Okay. All right. And by this, I mean, and this again is work. This is a different kind of work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Most people in leadership, and and this is probably one of the most painful things, are so incredibly isolated in that role. Yeah. 
they are isolated by the platform. They are isolated right. by the pressures. They are isolated in their communities. They are isolated within their families. They all walk into a room and it's time to have dinner and everybody goes, oh, pastor, won't you be the one to pray? And they, it's again, mm -hmm. different than the rest of us. You're not ministry. And again, it's a current model, but I'm sure this has been the case in other uh, seasons of the church's history. Um, it's just one of the most isolating places. And we are in great danger to the extent to which we live with that level of isolation. Mm-hmm. So one of the primary ways, primary ways that leaders, please hear me on this. If you are one of those people, and I've heard it as high as 85 or higher percent mm -hmm. of pastors have no one with whom they can be completely honest about yep. what's really going on in their lives. That is a massive risk. I'm sorry, the debt yes. carrying on your building is nothing compared to the time bomb that is going to go off and is going off right now when we do not have someone in our life with whom we can be completely honest, yeah. a safe place, someone who is for us, somebody who knows the good, the bad, and the ugly that you do not have to put on a happy face or, mm -hmm. you know, that where you can struggle with whatever you're struggling with in the presence of a human being. And this is one of the, like, what's at the root of why, why is this so powerful? It's the reality of the incarnation. Right. Something of the living God is alive in each of us. Now we are, mm -hmm. we're still broken very much in process, mm -hmm. but something of the living God has taken up residence in us. And when we open the right kinds of spaces, Larry Crabb was the one who wrote probably most about this, but you know, many, many other authors and writers uh, have spoken to this reality and have, we've all experienced it. I, I'm sure everyone hearing this has had at least one relationship in your life that changed everything. Not because the person was trying to change anything, but because they had a way of relating to you that allowed you to become who you are today. Mm -hmm. But the more elevated you become in leadership, mm -hmm. the fewer those places are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but the reality of that incarnation is, is, is that there's something connecting us that's more than did I have the right words for that person that day? It, it takes the pressure off all that. We mm -hmm. just hold space with one another with this massive imagination that the God of the universe is moving and healing and restoring, doing the things that only God can do. But there's a very significant way where those things happen when we open up relationally. And again, this is a different kind of hard, but this is what keeps us connected to God as our source. Because as much as we're connecting to one another, these kinds of relationships actually help us stay dialed in to where is God at work in my life and how am I responding? Yeah. So I think every pastor uh, has the fear that the relationships they have with their people is mostly utilitarian and not genuine so uh understood in this sentence if i was not the pastor would you be my friend and the answer oftentimes is no right i mean it, it is a reality right um maybe or may not be yes correct or no. we, we don't know that as long as we stay in the role of pastor and not as friend correct yeah and i've heard you've maybe heard this uh, uh, pastors have have said that even in seminary training they were told not to become friends with anyone in their congregation don't get chummy correct was, that's what i was told don't get chummy training. 
And yep. one pastor who, who had a, a, a pretty bad burnout uh, ended up leaving vocational ministry and then was gently tiptoeing his way back toward it after a season of healing. He heard me speaking on this topic of spiritual friendships, which I think is mm -hmm. sort of the, the sort of yep. layman's way of thinking about this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and he pulled me aside and he said, told me that that has what he had received as instruction in seminary. And he mm -hmm. said, I came to realize. I came to realize that we are telling ourselves and each other that in order to be effective in ministry, you have to live a lie. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So fortunately. Like, that's just nuts. Yeah. That's yeah, that just is. Nuts. That's where yeah. I go back to like, where do we see this in the New Testament? I'm sorry. Right. It's just not right. there. Right. I no longer call you servants. Right. I call you my friends, mm -hmm. said mm -hmm. our Lord. I this is where Kurt Thompson's work has been so helpful for me as a as a pastor um, and just understanding what he talks about is the healing power of being known. Mm -hmm. And and when you when when you discover that, like you can be known and loved and you can be known and mm -hmm. welcome, the healing that happens and the strength that develops in our souls is yeah. transformational. It's game changing. It's what we're designed mm -hmm. for, I believe. And that's mm -hmm. why we need to suffocate more and more and more and more and more when we become closed off. So the, there's no, there's no, the irony of calling your people to community as you are a separate, uh, as you are not a part of it. Mm -hmm. The irony of that. Yeah. And to be fair, because this is such a broken part of how we encounter one another in what we'll say as community, I mean, some of the communities might be the most dangerous places you would ever. Well, that's fair. I, that's I, fair. I, I really don't think we run roughshod into any and all relationships wildly self. -made. No, that's exactly right. We have to find, as Henry Cloud talked about, those safe right. And for many in ministry, you're not going to, I mean, it would take maybe five years of very intentional soul health on your part and then teaching into a congregation mm -hmm. to help your congregation Correct. have a new way of understanding how to expect you to show up. Because right. again, this gets to, you know, what has un, unwittingly become our norms of what mm -hmm. expect as a congregant and what, you know, so... You can't change all that over that overnight. That's not that is not going to change overnight. No, no. You got to find those safe people. It could be a ministry peer somewhere else on the other side of town. Could be a, a paid therapist, a coach, a spiritual director. It could any number of places. But by all means, do not just start recklessly being self-disclosing to people who can't. That's hold. A, no, that's no. exactly right. Yeah. No, we do have. No. We do have a role to perform, but if that's all we have, then we will not make it. Yeah, I I think I would love a, a I don't know, hopefully a few years from now, we collectively have a better imagination about this process of spiritual formation and how we're all in it. I don't care what your role is. We're not done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we are all in stages of growth. And we have to start to normalize that. We have to normalize what it means to be in process. Yeah. And until we have done that at scale, 
we can't suddenly show up as a person in process to people who don't know how to hold space for Correct. them. Correct. Right. Yeah, yeah, yes. That's so all this... I'm saying with that. You got to find those safe places. And it's going to be hard because you, pastor, are going to show up to a spiritual director or a coach or a therapist or a peer on the other side of town. And you're going to start talking about how many people come to your church and how important, yes. whatever. Like we have got to break our current through that. modes in order to learn how to be authentic, right, vulnerable. And that's why journaling helps because then it's like, well, I actually, I had a new thought today and it was this. And now I have something I can come right. talk to someone about, about what's really going on inside because we need to move past you know, what you could know about me on LinkedIn. Yeah. This is yeah. one thing, page, person, and we have, I think we have another letter. Plan. B. Oh, plan. plan. Right? Now, this is the catch-all for everything. <laughs> but I want to get to place, too. I'm on, yeah, I'm we, on, I, I'd love to do that. Yeah. yeah we got to get to place. I'll be really quick. So um, plan is a, a catch-all way to say, like, we bring intentionality to any other area of our life that matters. And yet, with the care of our own soul, we sort of expect that we're going to float downstream and somehow be fine. The big idea here is that it's vital for us to be intentional about our soul's well-being with the assumption that unless we have a plan, it's probably not going to happen. Now, it's not yeah. to become rigid, not to become legalistic, right. none of those things. But it is vital to bring our intentionality. Oh, I was missing this other fun thing. So the journal is the key to reflection okay person is a key is an invitation to connection oh plan is an invitation to intention and so oh my it's vital for us to be thinking about it and this is where we broaden the aperture a little bit more to say like the five dimensions of flourishing that barna the harvard flourishing project uh -huh. all those different things it's like all of these dimensions of our soul of our personhood matter and so we to care for one's soul, we, we're looking holistically. We're thinking our physical and mental well-being. We're thinking <clears throat> vocational alignment. We're thinking financial well-being. We're thinking relationships. We're thinking about all those things. And in order to move towards this vision of shalom, of flourishing, whatever you want to say, we do need to be intentional with these different things with the assumption that as our soul is healthy, that's what allows us to bring the greatest leadership, bring the greatest right. love, the yeah. greatest transformation into our communities. So one last thing on the word plan, um, a, a very ancient practice that many people have probably heard of. It's sort of becoming a little bit more um, modernized with different authors and writers is this idea of a rule of life mm -hmm. and establishing what your rule of life is. Mm -hmm. And I love going back to the original Latin, as many do, that the word rule wasn't like the speed limit rule. It was the Latin term regula, which was used for a trellis, right? So you think about a trellis in a garden that allows certain plants to optimally fruit or flower mm -hmm. if they have a thing to grow on, a structure. Now, let's be clear, the structure does not cause the growth, right? The structure is not the same thing as the growth. It just is inert and it sits there. And those kind of plants are there. I know they're just so funny to watch. If you watch them in your garden, like how do they know to bend and like twirl and go and connect and like hang, but they hang their life around mm -hmm. this inert structure and they'll find anything to grow on if anything's nearby. So 
how do we structure the things we want our life to start to twist itself around? Yeah. Anyway, I think those are helpful things that we start to anchor into schedule, into rhythms. Mm-hmm. How do I take mm-hmm. retreat on a regular basis? So our right. soul care, we do this like monthly semi-silent retreat. It's it's hilarious how it's just taken off. It's so fun. But it's like I did it a little bit out of my own necessity. It's like here I am. I love soul care. I love retreat. I love this. But month will go by. The next month comes along. And I've never stopped for even as little as three hours mm. just to reflect on the prior month, spend some time mm-hmm. with the Lord, engage with some scripture. I need I need rhythms of retreat. So what is what did those look like for us on regular cadences and Anyway, so that's the page, the person, and the plan. Place is coming in hot as another contender for these. <laughs> the next P. Yeah. So we're, we're, we, we get to hear first. You kind of do. I don't think I've talked about this other than with our team. And so it's, it's, you know, it's not like a tightly understood thing, but we are physical beings, right? We show up in mm-hmm. physical spaces with physical people. Now, environments like this allow us to be virtually with one another and not physically together. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad they do because so many good things have happened as a result of that. But there is something about being proximal, proximate mm-hmm. yeah. to mm-hmm. the young man in your backyard, to mm-hmm. our family members, to even pets or animals or horses or whoever it is that like we are like, even in just watching the chosen, one of the fun things I've loved in watching that is how, um, the mezuzah on the doors, the, 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 the different patterns of connecting the spiritual world to the unseen, or I mean, mm-hmm. the physical world to the unseen. Mm-hmm. We're relentlessly physical and we need those reminders of the yeah. reality of the unseen. But there, there is something about us being connected in communities over a long time, mm-hmm. a friend of mine has said this, and it was kind of achy because we had just moved from 13 years in Chicago to Boulder. But he said, yeah, it's hard to make new old friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an achy comment. Mm-hmm. Because obviously it's impossible. You cannot make new old friends. And there is value. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we see it in Jesus's life. We see place even in the Acts 1 8, you know, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's a yes, we go, but there's also a who are you at home? Yeah. And we've been investing in this ranch, I think I mentioned to you guys, like with the idea that there are some sacred spaces that we kind of need to get to where the noise floor can drop. Mm-hmm. We could take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Maybe have our eyes fall on some natural beauty that isn't our mm-hmm. circumstances. Um, and then those places become associated with a certain kind of openness. You think about the the creativity and beauty that yeah. was placed into cathedrals and yeah, things yeah. that. You know, maybe when I was growing up in the faith, we thought of as sort of dusty and not not the point. You know, they weren't alive. Mm-hmm. But they did have a a really important way to lift your eyes 
to remind you of what would be sacred and set apart mm-hmm. and important sure. in that way. So again, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but these Not are much. themes that I've been exploring around place. And uh, so what were the sh- the shun words you used? Ref- reflection? Oh, yeah. Invitation to reflection, connection and intention. And location. Oh, How's that? Yeah. Okay, so so I mean this. I mean, such a big deal. Thank you. Sorry, you heard it first, folks, Uh, right here on the pastor's table podcast. It just popped into my head. So, um, but I like the I like those words as descriptors of those nouns. No, Mm -hmm. I, I those that's important. That's and. You know, for the dissing of alliteration, it does help us remember, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, but as you're talking, um, year and a half ago, um, I realized I needed to start my day in a particular place and spend an hour in quiet prayer reflection reading. Mm-hmm. But so, uh, so I start my day in the sanctuary of this traditionally built Protestant church in the shape of a cross. It, it's yep. cathedral-esque, but it's not a cathedral, but it's cathedral-esque. Yep. And so I spent an hour in the same pew, in the same space, uh, reading, being still, not reading, listening. Yep. Uh, and that has been salvific. Yeah. To Mark, start. what inspired you to do that? Like, why did, why did you feel drawn to a place? Well, so one of my uh, one of my secret agendas for uh, leadership of the church is I'd, I'm I'm wanting to turn the church into a monastic community mm-hmm. uh, for those reasons, and um, and another one of my agendas is to contend against the Gnosticism of American evangelicalism, which diminishes the person as flesh and as enfleshed, and uh, accentuates the soul at the expense of the body. But also um, the importance of place. I mean, you can't read the New Testament. You can't read the Bible without understanding. And the evangelicalism says there's no holy places, right? And I get that. We're the temple. I get it, right? But there are places that are important to us. And so what drove me to do that, I, I, I don't know if I can answer that, except for maybe just need, mm. just a hunger. Necessity, yeah. Just a hunger for quiet, for solitude. Um, but what is really hard, so I've called the church to it. So we open up the sanctuary all day long and anybody can come in for mm. quiet prayer and it's really sweet. So people wander in and they just sit in the sanctuary and pray. And, um, but it's really hard to, con- to, to convince people that place matters. Mm. It's really hard for, I can, I can pray at home or I can pray in my car as if God's content with multitasking attention. Mm. Um, so I need drove it. I just realized uh, the Lord was, I, I needed to spend more time with the Lord. The longer I'm a Christian, the more dependent I'm getting. Mm. I, I just, that, that gets to our sort of anemic understanding of salvation and grace, where right. we, we consider grace uh, as a transactional um, right. you know, lubricant for a certain point in time in our right. lives. And Hmm. Yet, the deeper we go in our life with God, I think the deeper we go in our dependency on grace, that we need yeah. grace Boy, more, that's the truth. more, not less and less. 
Correct. But if we think that we only needed grace because we, you know, were sinful and apart from God. True, but not all, not the only truth. How do we then have a way of thinking about grace that is like, oh no, more and more grace is like my scuba gear. Like this is what allows mm -hmm. me to breathe. Correct. Correct. Underwater. Because Correct. I'm underwater. We're all underwater. And how, what are the spiritual practices allow me to put that oxygen, oxygen tank on my back and the lifelines. What are the breathe. lifelines? Depend. Yeah. <clears throat> Depend yeah. on grace. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been talking for about an hour and 10 minutes. Yep. So we need to close it up. But that, but we're still, we, the most, not the most of our question, but we still have to answer that other question. So how do we lead in a way that is, that allows our people to be spiritually formed? So, so. Um, we just bring Mindy back. We have week. to, we have to bring you back. I'm sorry, You're Mindy. You're so but great, you have Mindy. To, we have to bring I you back. Honored to be with you. I would love it. And I, I'm, I'm one of many voices on this topic. Oh, but you are no, but... articulate and it is what I love is it is born out of deep well of reflection and mm -hmm. lived experience. And we'll send you an extra Starbucks card if you'll be agree to come back. How's that? <laughs> I'll do almost anything for a Starbucks card. I'm not proud of that. Uh, this this is a new thing. We've never done it before. I'll come but take I'll care do of it. your horses. Uh, oh, oh, oh. We're having many more conversations. Oh, yes. All right. Yeah. This has been really, really rich. And we're grateful for your gift to us today. Thank you. It's an um, honor to be part of the way you're serving into leaders right now. And that's... I want to align tightly to anyone who's stepping into this really important space because leaders, we want you to be living. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What a, what a, what a closer we want you to be living. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mindy, for joining us of, over these series of conversations and we'll have you back. Um, uh, you know, as I mentioned, this is, this is so compelling because it's so clear to me that it, it is out of a deep well of reflection and lived experience and walking in the spirit and surrendering to Jesus and abiding in Christ. Mm. And so thank you so much for painting such a robust vision for pastors uh, to lean into that uh, so that they can also call their congregations and their mm. people mm -hmm. to Do lean into that. And so, friends, it's been a blessing. Thanks so much for listening in uh, to another episode of The Pastor's Table. I was blessed today, um, encouraged and um, stretched, and I, I trust you are as well. Um, as always, we are so honored that you would even choose to spend your time uh, with us at this table, reflecting on ministry and leadership and uh, shepherding churches. And so if this episode blessed you, we hope that you share it. Share it with a friend. Um, maybe it'll encourage them as well. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and the gift and the graces and the calling of this journey.